Hello and welcome to 20 Tim Minutes, a podcast that focuses on mental health in a serious but yet humorous way. Listen as I interview a wide variety of guests where we show our support as well as sharing our own personal struggles and stories with mental health. I am your host, Tim McCarthy, and now it's time to talk about it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of 20 Tim Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. Today, we have on Ralph Sutton, a longtime veteran in TV and radio with a heavy fan base. He has hosted the Tour Bus Rock radio show, as well as the ever-so-popular show he hosts with Big J Okerson called The SDR Show, and also has a health and wellness podcast called The Good Sugar Podcast, Good Sugar Podcast, Holy Smokes, which centers around Ralph's desire to improve himself and find lasting happiness. Ralph, how the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good. I don't have lasting happiness yet, but I'm feeling pretty good today. Hey, we're going to get there. Let me start off with this and say this. No one is named Ralph anymore, and I fucking, I'm for it. It's a great man's name. You are over 40 if you're named Ralph. There's no doubt about it, for sure. Uh, And it's funny, my, uh, my father was Syrian Jew, and Syrian Jews named after their living father. So all the firstborn kids from that generation, so they were... My f- grandfather, Ralph Sutton, you know, I guess senior, but we don't go by seniors and juniors in the Jew world. But uh, there was four Ralphs that were the firstborn Ralphs were all kids. There was four of us growing up. They're all, all, the, all the Ralphs. It's just a direct name. It's just, you know what? You're Ralph. Just Ralph. But the, to be honest with you, so growing up, there was a few things that really sucked about having the name Ralph. A, if you live in the South, to throw up is to Ralph. So yeah. that's not good. B, there was a very famous comedy album that came to age just as I was becoming like, you know, a teenager by Eddie Murphy, where the, the line was, uh, it was like a play on the honeymooners. And he was saying, uh, Ed Nort was saying, hey, Ralphie boy, come over here and let me fuck you in the ass. And that was what I would hear all the time growing up. And then the third one was there was a book, I would call it the twilight of my generation, meaning like, the one that every girl read at 13 years old. And in that book, the guy says he named this penis. And she says, what did you name it? And he said, Ralph. So every time I'd introduce myself at like 13 years old to the tender age, they say his name, Ralph. They go, oh, like the penis. So it was never a great name. But I just decided at one point when I was doing radio, they told me, oh, you should probably change your name to something a little more radio friendly. And I was like, fuck that. I'm, I've grown this whole way with this stupid name. I'm, I'm doubling down and keeping it. 100%. You're just like, what's your name? You're like, Ralph. Just all upset. Yeah. See, mine came later in the game, too, when South Park introduced Timmy. So everyone came up yeah. to me. It was like, Timmy. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I get it. There's a TV show with my name. So do you purposefully introduce yourself as Timothy or Tim, or do you do Timmy? I don't do Timmy ever, but if someone calls me Timmy in a non-accent from South Park, I'll take it. Okay, fair enough. Fair you know enough. what I mean? And no one calls me Timothy anyway, except for the doctor's office. It's like the only one person right. that says Timothy. Um, so most of the time it's Tim. Yeah, Tim, straight up. I have one of the few names where the um, the nickname is longer than the regular name. So Ralphie is longer than Ralph. Yep. You know, there's only a few names like that. But, uh, you know, like like Scotty, you know, and something. there's a couple others. But for the most part, the nickname is always shorter. Mine's longer. Makes no sense. What about Rick? And then it's actually... Oh, it's like, Richard. Yeah, then it's Dick. Dick, yeah. yeah. Richard is Dick. Yeah, Dick and, 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 and Richard. It's kind of weird. Super weird. Um, we already went off the rails, and I love it already. Sorry um, about that. Now, you have this empire. How did you get to that point? It's gonna, we're going to go the cliche route to start off, but how did you get to where you are right now in the short version? 
Uh, well, I started in, in radio, I started a strip club DJ. Well, not started, but that's where it started for me in entertainment. I was a nightclub promoter, then a strip club DJ. What's your strip then club strip, DJ name? I, again, I didn't use it, ever use a fake Just name. Ralph the DJ. I love yeah, it. Just Ralph. I mean, also, very rarely does the strip club DJ introduce himself. Hey, everybody, I'm Wiggles or whatever the fuck. They don't do that, you know? But um, I uh, was very good at that, which is the worst brag in the world. But from there, I met a guy that worked in radio. And he and I started a radio show together. That led to us getting it syndicated to about 100 stations. And I did that for most of my adult life, from like 29 to 45. But about around 43, 44, I think it was, radio started dying. So I started a podcast, the SDR show, with a comedian that I was friends with. And that started to grow. And then that led to me launching the Gas Digital Network about five years ago. And now we have 22 shows. And, uh, you know, that does pretty well. Anywhere from Michael Bisbing, the middleweight champ of the world, is on. Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist, Zach Wilde, is on the network. A bunch of comics, a bunch of, like, political people. And that's become uh, a full-time, 24-7 job, is running the Gas Digital Network. How much work did you put into that your whole career? Like, how draining was it to get to where you are now? So, I mean, the truth is this. Even back in radio days and now the the SDR show and and Good Sugar... um, the best day, the best hour of my week is the hour I'm recording, right? That is the hour that I'm happiest is the hour that I'm on the air with my show, whatever it may be. The rest of it is, of course, is there were days where I didn't sleep. You know, I, I talk all the time when I was uh, just starting uh, in radio. So it was the year I was 29 or 28 or 29. I was working overnights, midnight to six in the morning Been there. for $6 an hour. Two hours from my house. I was working at a restaurant at the time. I'd gone to cooking school and I was running a restaurant. And I would work midnight to six in the morning, then take that two-hour drive to the restaurant in the city and start my shift at 8 a.m. and work till four in the afternoon. And that's just what I did because I wanted to be in radio. I couldn't do that now. I would die. Yeah, that would be tough. And you have a nice set of hair still, so I'm envious sort of. of you, Pat. I, yeah. I got a very, I got they call a five head. You know, my head got really big. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, sir. I went I went bald and gray, and I'm only 36. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I understand now why you're wearing the hat indoors. Oh, yes, hundred um, percent. Now let's talk about the sh- the Good Sugar podcast real quick. What made you transform over to there? Because it seems a little bit different than like a rock and roll style. Yeah. So. As I had a background in restaurants and I was pretty good at it, a friend of mine was opening a raw vegan juice bar called Juice Press in New York City. And he had asked me for help. He just needed someone that had been in that business and to help him out a little bit. And I worked with him. I was one of my childhood friends. We built that company from three stores to like 30 or 40. I was an employee. I left. They went to 90. He made a fortune, sold it. And now for two years, he had a non-compete, and the idea was for him, if he could get uh, a holding in the podcast space as a health guy, then when he opens his next venture called Good Sugar, he could already have a fan base built in. So really, originally, he was doing it on his own, and I was just helping him, but he didn't like doing it on his own, so he kept asking me to co-host with him. And then we decided, like, it's funny, because I don't believe a lot of the health and wellness nonsense that's out there. I think a lot of it is scammy and feels like bullshit. And I, you never know what to trust. So he and I were trying to debate what's real, what's not, who's the asshole, who's not. So we called the show originally the Sherpa and the Schmuck. And the idea being, 
who's your true guide and who's bullshitting you? You know, you never know. But then when we came out, when he realized he was going to open a place called Good Sugar, we changed the name to Good Sugar. And that's what we've been doing for the past two years. I'm really the co-host. The idea in the beginning was to try and make me feel better, try and make me live a, a healthier life. I've lost 70 pounds. Uh, whether that, I do think that was a big part of it. The show was a big part of it. I do feel like I'm in a better place mentally, physically. Uh, it is what it is. I do think that whether it's a podcast or just having anybody that you are accountable to helps you stay on track. If you have to make that call to your friend, I'm like, God, oh, dude, fucking got so drunk last night. I fucked up. Like, If you have to make that call, it makes you rethink your choices. If it's someone you really respect and want to not disappoint. You know, if it's just some dude that your friend, ah, dude, I got fucking drunk. No one cares. But if it's like with me, I looked at it as I started this podcast. The idea being, I'm trying to get better. So if I'm going to be honest with myself and honest with the people that listen, I'm not, I just, they're not going to fucking lie. So if I'm bad, I'm bad. If I'm good, I'm good. And there's been ups and downs along the way. But overall, the, if you look at the through line, it's on an upward trend, which is good. How many times have you made that call where you're like, dude, I fucked up? Uh, well, I don't drink anyway. Like my okay. fuck ups are food. I love food. I'm. It's my vice. I don't do drugs. You know, I don't drink. I my vice is fucking. I just love food. So what I decided was, I will allow. So as far as we're talking from the physical side, not the mental, right? Yeah. So on the physical aspect, um, I know it's going to take me an extra year or so to be in the shape that I want to be in. I cut out all fried foods. I cut out all like really fatty garbage, but I will allow myself to indulge here and there, have a dessert, have something in the thought process that it will keep me sane because I don't have any other vices. Girls and food, those are my vices, right? And and hitting on a girl is not going to make me gain weight. You don't know yet. We'll see. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Now, with the mental side of it all, like, what does mental health mean to you? Like, you said you lost weight. Was there something going on in your life? Yeah, my father passed away about six years ago, and uh, I probably gained all of it within that year of when he got sick. I got up to about you know three twenty. I'm six feet six inches tall. I should probably be about two thirty to thirty five. And I went into it knowing, oh, I'm going to be fucking miserable for a while. Like that's what it is. Yeah allow myself instead of trying to avoid it and not acknowledge that it's okay to be miserable something terrible happens you should probably react to it you know if you pretend you're fine it's just going to resurface you know but i uh, mine again the vice was food and the way i look at it i used to get up and go to the gym now i'd get up and go to hospice and eat cookies and ice cream because that's what they bring you when you're sitting watching someone die right um the mental changes I made, and it's funny because I was just on a date uh, two days ago, and we're sitting out by the water in this in the East Village uh, on the East River Park, and I just said, "God damn it, it's so fucking beautiful here! Like, how how lucky are we that we get to do this in the middle of a day?" And she's like, "Wow, not a lot of guys would would acknowledge that." I'm like, "I know. I think that we don't do that enough." I walked here on my own volition. You know, my arms and legs work. I'm I'm with a pretty girl. It's a beautiful day. Let's just fucking breathe this in and, and enjoy it. And I think I never did that before. you know. And that, I think, comes from a mixture of I do meditate every day. I do really try and even like as stupidly as walking to work, which is only a seven-minute walk, look at the trees, look at the surroundings, appreciate what's around you. These stupid little things make a big difference. You get a straight-up foot on me. 
I'm only oh, five really? six. Yeah, oh, I have a twin brother who's five seven. By the way, really? Yeah, yeah. Pretty That's weird. Like one of those TLC shows. Yeah, the crazy thing is, and I've told the story a million times, so I apologize. But um, I was born New Year's Eve, nineteen sixty nine, right before midnight. Uh, we were three, two months uh, premature, I think it was. So they didn't know my brother was there until I was born. Right? I was like, dude, go back in and take a look. What's in there? There's somebody else in there, you know. Uh, then he gets born, and what it turns out was we were four minutes apart. So I was born eleven fifty eight p.m. December 31st, 1969. He was born 12.02 a.m., January 1st, 1970. So we're twins born in different days, years, decades. That's that's pretty impressive. Very weird. I mean, impressive would be, I had nothing to do with it, but it is. Yeah, unique. you never know. Well, yeah. your mom had something to do with it, so it's. Yeah, but it's just pretty- funny because they didn't do sonograms as often back then. So when, we, when I was born is when they found out he was in there. No shit. Yeah. That's banana land. Yeah, it's really wild. <laughs> How was it working every day when you were down in the dumps? You know, I I think if anything, it gave me something to do. You know, I think that that's a good thing. I think that having a reason to get up certainly makes it different. I've said this a million times. I look at my podcast. I don't miss a show no matter what. My father died. I think it was four days later I did the show. Was it a great show? Probably not. I never went back to listen to it, but I didn't miss an episode. You know, I try not to. I've never, I, in the seven years, I think the show's been on the air. I've missed, I think five episodes, but the show went on. Like I missed for a couple, like one time I had surgery and I literally could not talk. So I actually was on the show in the beginning, just kind of like saying, Hey, sorry, I really can't talk. But like I sounded ridiculous and I left. And then up until a few months ago, I never missed any shows. I think I missed once one, but it was like a planned thing because I wanted to go for my mother's birthday or something like that. I wanted to do something for her birthday. But in general, unless it is life-threatening scenario, I will not miss a show. So that I think having that to do every week and also with the network, my like right now, I probably declined 12 calls since we've been on this thing because I tell my staff, I'm I'm available. If you call, if you need something, call me, text me, I will get back to you. Unless I'm doing a show. You're gonna have to wait an hour, but other than that, I will. Always, and I've I've answered calls at three in the morning and five in the morning at two in the morning. And if it's a problem, I'll fix it. I'll help you as best I can. How do you manage without minimal sleep? Because when I don't have enough sleep, I'm a grouchy bitch. Working in the strip club business for twelve years, I think it was. I got used to working with minimal sleep. I'd go to bed at five in the morning, you know, and I'm a morning person, so my body always wanted to get up early. So I have like right now I'm taking care of this weird uh I'm gonna hold her up for a second. Sorry. Please do. Come here, honey. She is an 18-year-old, uh naked, uh Chinese crested, completely blind dog that uh can't see at all, just got blind recently. A friend of mine's dog, and he went away for his uh anniversary with his wife for uh, a week and I'm taking care of her. The first couple of nights, she because she's in a new environment, she is nervous, she doesn't have any smells that she's used to. She did not sleep at all. I literally, when I say maybe I got a two hours of sleep in, in broken segments for the first two nights, uh, but it is what it is. And then you still got to do a show. You still got to be, you know, go to the office. You do what you do. I felt like garbage the whole time, but I go and do it. What are you going to do? I actually like the idea. Like the example I would always give is that there are people on this planet who lose their kid in some fucking horrible accident. And it's the fucking no parent should outlive their kid. 
But if they need to put food on their table, they go to work that week because they have to. Mm -hmm. Having that have to is amazing because it forces you to start trying to reintegrate into life. And I think it's, it's, it's essential. That dog looks like an extra in Big Trouble Little China. I feel yeah, like. it looks like like uh, like a goon, like a gremlin. She looks like a gremlin. Yeah, cute yeah. though, cute. I, like I mean, dogs. she's so ugly that she's cute. She's not cute. She's like horrifyingly cute. Yeah, horrifyingly adorable. Yeah, yeah, she's a sweetheart though. But uh, she's if she's not sitting, if she doesn't have contact with me, she's crying. So constantly, whenever I leave to the house to go to the studio. I know she'd be crying for the two hours I'm gone. It's just what it is. My neighbors hate me this week. You're a good stepdad. Yeah, I try to be. Now, speak of your father a little bit. What was your relationship like with him? What was he like? So my parents got divorced when I was very young. My parents got divorced when I was like, I think I was four and a half, five. They like separated, but it was four and a half or five. Because I remember, I think my five-year-old birthday party, he was already out of the house. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, They did a good thing in that any of their shit that was never a part of my brother and I's life. Like whatever problems they were having, we were unaware of it. You know, my mom was really good at if she was dating, she would only bring someone by if she's like, Oh, this might be something serious. Right. But she was wrong. So we would see a lot of guys, right? My mom was a whore is what I'm saying. Um, But my dad, he was a single guy in his, uh, 40s, like early 40s, and started to make a lot of money. So single guy making a lot of money in the 80s in New York City. I mean, literally, there was a time where every weekend there'd be a different girl at the house. You know, that's what it was. And I, I think that probably fucked me up a little bit mentally, you know, but it is what it is. Yep. Um, could be why I'm not married, no kids at this point. But they did keep a, a, a amicable relationship with each other, which is important. My father got remarried when I was 13. And he stayed with her till he passed away. They were together 33 years. I still speak with her. I still talk with her. Awesome. Um, she's still, I'm close with her. She came to my mother's uh, 75th birthday two weeks ago. So it's kind of cool that they're friendly. You know, um, there were ups and downs like with any family. But overall, you know, it was pretty good. It was pretty good, I would say. You know, I, I don't know any uh, family relationship that's perfect. So we've had our ups and downs. But overall... Far more positive than negative, I would say. I'm lucky. I my mom's amazing. Like my mom at her 75th birthday party, she had 52 people there, all of which that would call her a dear friend, like a real not an acquaintance, but like really close. And we had to cut it at 52 because that's about as big as the restaurant could hold. She could have easily put in 80 people. That's crazy. I don't have that many friends for sure. <laughs> if your dad, um, could come back, what would he be most proud of you for? How well the business is doing. My father was very monetarily based. He really, uh, my, my father's side of the family, the Syrian Jews, they value money first. Money is super important to them. And because they came to this country with nothing, you know? So, I mean, not that, that that's that rare, but at the time during, you know, they, they came in the, uh, I think it was the 1920s when my grandparents came on that side. And uh, they came with nothing. It's just seven people living in a one-bedroom apartment. So uh, they really always valued money. I remember when my dad started to like really get towards the end. So this is now five and a half years, five years ago. It, it was uh, because he died five years ago in November. So now five and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. So let's say five years ago, a little over, 
I got my first big advertising check for the network. And I got to tell him, I'm like, oh, dad, just so you know, I just got a check for X amount of dollars. And I could see it even in his like really out of his head. He went, really? I said, yeah. He's like, oh, that's so good. And I could tell I gave him some peace to know that money was coming in. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, now, what else did you do? You, sa- you say you do meditation and you lost weight. How did you lose the weight? Like what keeps you? Positive? I meditated it off. No, I'm kidding. I, um, <laughs> I, I, so the thing I think that's most important is you have to find your thing, you know, because if somebody's going to the gym every day and you hate the gym or someone's using a Peloton every day and you hate Peloton, you're not going to fucking stick with it. You got to find, is it, is it tennis? Is it basketball? Is it whatever it is? But my cousin had lost, has in great shape. And he's a runner. And I've always fucking hated running more than you could believe, especially at my height. I'd run a block. I'd be in pain. It is what it is. But when COVID hit and everything was locked down, you couldn't even go to the gym. And I was the fattest I've ever been. I mean, my maximum density, 320. I look like a sausage casing, like just disgusting. Right? It was really awful. Um, and uh, I may have told you this before uh, off air, but nothing like thousands of people calling you a fat fuck on the internet to inspire you to lose weight you know so bullying works let that be known to all of your all your listeners you know for most some people so i made the decision okay i'm going to figure something out i can't go to the gym i don't have a peloton at the time now i do but um what can i do well i could run that's something doesn't require any equipment you couldn't even buy equipment back then right so i Use this app called C25K, which is couch to a 5K. Get your fat ass off the couch and get to run about three miles. It's an eight or nine week program. I had started it in my life three or four times and never went past the second week. So I said to myself, under no circumstances, are you not completing this? It may take you longer than the eight or nine weeks. I may have to repeat a week or two, but I am fucking finishing this. So I finished it every other day I ran. From May, it's two years ago now, exactly. May 1st, two years ago, I started running. And for the first six months, every other day, I don't care if it was raining, I don't care if it was snowing, I ran, no matter what. And it wasn't fast. I was fucking bare. I mean, it's fat old guy running, starting at 50. It was slightly faster than walking, really, if I'm being honest. But the idea was just to do the motion. And for the first six months, I never missed a run. And I went from C to 5K, 5K to 10K, 10K to 15K, and then started saying, all right, I'm going to run, train for a half marathon. And I did a first half marathon. Now I've run five half marathons, two official, three on the the side. And I signed up for two more this year, one in Rockaway, one in Iceland. And I'm doing them both this year. And I would tell you that first year, I fucking hated it. Not one minute of it did I like. What I liked was when I was done. The feeling of elation that I got when I was done was the best feeling in the fucking world. The idea of it being 8.39 in the morning, I've already ran three miles, did my dishes, did my laundry, cleaned my house, made myself breakfast, showered, and now it's 8.39 in the morning and you haven't even fucking gotten up yet? You know that feeling of accomplishment that that gives you? You know? So that started to cascade into, okay, now what else can I do? All right, I could do push-ups in the morning. I could do sit-ups. I could stretch. I could meditate every day. And I slowly added them to the routine. The moment that I really feel was the life-changing 
uh, switch. There's two books I recommend to everyone. One's called Matter. Great book. Can't recommend it enough. It's a great book for mental health. The other one is a very popular book on habits called Atomic Habits. It's been a number one book for many, many times. And in that book, I listen to books when I read, when I run. So I listen to audiobooks. My idea is I'm improving my brain and my body at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. He said, there's two guys in a room. Both are trying to quit smoking. You hand a cigarette to one of them, and he says, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. Hand a cigarette to the other one, and he goes, I don't smoke. That guy identifies as a non-smoker. The other guy still thinks he's a smoker who's trying to quit. So make that mental change. So that was the day I finally admitted to myself, I called myself a runner. Because one of my friends would say, oh, you're a runner now. And I'm like, I fucking hate running, but I'm doing it. But that day, it clicked with me. And I texted him, because you know what? I am a fucking runner. And that helped me a lot. And that, that embracement of that ridiculous thing of running really helped me a lot. This is a two-part question. You're an author, right? And what well, tips would you give someone struggling out there? Yeah, I'm an author. I think I showed this to you. I'm going to hold it up to your... To your uh, uh, it is, was the top 100 book on Amazon. Yeah, no it biggie. is the 100% Guaranteed Guide to Weight Loss and Fitness by Ralph Sutton. Uh, there's two chapters. Chapter one is Eat Less. Okay. Chapter two is Work Out More. Okay. And then the rest of the book... No, it's hard to do it. Is uh, there it goes. The rest of the book is totally blank. Huh. It is a two-page book. Really, it's 150. All, all the pages are numbered, by the way. Right. It's a 150-page book with two, really four words on it. Chapter one, eat less. Chapter two, but work out more. So five words. Um, and it was a, it was a uh, joke book, really. But the truth is, I stand by it. Show me someone that is eating less and working out more and not losing weight, and I would say you are going to be talked about for decades in the medical journals because nobody would know that exists. Right. It's wild. You know, if you've been eating 2000 calories a day and doing no push-ups and you start doing 1500 calories a day and two push-ups, going to see a difference. There's no way you're not. End of story. Um, my advice to anybody is, like I said before, I think it's important have, uh, for lack of better words, a South Park term, have an accountability buddy. Have somebody or something that either you're doing this together or you're both trying to attain a goal. They don't have to be the same goal, but someone you talk to every day that you respect, that you can... I look at it as my... The podcast was the best thing in the world for me. The fact that I knew that on Friday at 11, I was going to have to talk about what the fuck I did that week was... And this was even before we had listeners. It was just I knew I had to confess my truth. And that made a big difference. That really find someone that you're going to do that with and you're going to stick to it. Probably not a good idea to be a significant other because you're going to be pushovers on each other. Right. Better to find someone who really speaks honestly to you. And that'll make the biggest difference in your world. And then the second thing is, if it, depends, if you, it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to try to lose weight, I would say change nothing in your diet at all, except if you're having an 18-ounce steak every day, which you'll probably be dead soon. But if you do... Go down to a 15 ounce steak. You won't notice the difference, but in six months, you'll notice a difference. And then make slight extra changes. If you're looking to do what I did in the beginning, the day I said, All right, fuck this, I'm getting into shape. And a 320 pound, 50 year old man tried to do a pull up and I tore my fucking labrum because I'm an idiot. That's what's going to happen to you if you jump into the diet, into the deep end immediately without taking one swimming lesson. 
What you can do is make fucking micro changes that you barely feel and you'll realize it by the end. Holy shit, what a difference. There's nothing wrong with fake it till you make it. There's nothing wrong with pretending it's going well. I promise you eventually it's going to seep into your psyche. That's how this podcast is. Fake it till I make it. When I was in radio, we, we were a small fucking radio station. We couldn't give away tickets to shows. I couldn't get big interviews with bands. So I bought these interview CDs with artists and I just clipped out the answers. And then I asked the question. So I said, hey, John Bon Jovi, how's the tour going? Well, it's going pretty good. And no one fucking knew it's radio, right? Yeah. Uh, then a big concert comes to town and I want to give away, I gave away front row tickets. I didn't have them. I just made the lines busy and then made up a winner. Congratulations, awesome. Steve in Iowa. Good job. As it's illegal. Guy, as some guy in Iowa was listening, he's like, how did I win? Yeah, exactly. It's totally illegal. But, you know, in the beginning, it made the show sound so much bigger. And then eventually, guess what? I did interview all those bands. I did get front row tickets. But in the beginning, you do what you got to do to make it fucking work. Yeah. You don't have to believe it. Just do it. That's how it, the best thing is that that's probably your best advice. You don't have to believe in it. Just fucking do it. And then see what happens three months later. See if you notice all of a sudden that these dumb habits started to become, you know, that these dumb things become habits. They become rituals. The best way to, and this again is from Atomic Habits, to put a good habit in is sandwich it around something you're already doing. Mm -hmm. If you make your bed every morning, which I think everybody should, right after you make your bed, go do five pushups. Right after you make your bed. Make that part of it. I make my bed every morning when I get up. Just add the five push-ups. Eventually, it'll become part of your routine. Mm -hmm. And you won't even realize it. Then you say, all right, maybe now I'll do five push-ups and five sit-ups. You know, and that, that's how you start building it. And eventually, that'll seep into other things. It's amazing how much the body and the mind are connected, and we act like they're different things. They are not. If you're overweight, I guarantee you, you even if you love your body, you're, you're Lizzo, and you're overweight, and you love who you are, congratulations. I'm very happy for you. But you know what? It's not healthy. I wasn't healthy. And if you're not healthy physically, I believe in my heart something is wrong mentally. Something. I don't know what it is, but if you are doing things to destruct your body and you know it's negative and you continue to do it, something's wrong. Let's wrap up here, Ralph. I got two questions I ask everybody when I'm wrapping up. What would your personal theme song be? Like, think of like if you were a professional wrestler, boxer, you were coming out to the ring, Ralph Sutton's name is said over the speakers. What song is being played, sir? That is a fucking wild question. Uh, I would probably pick something that would always amp me up. I'm just thinking about a song that whenever I hear it, I love it. So I would, as, as hacky as it might be, the first one that comes to mind is Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Hey. Just because I fucking love the song. Who doesn't love the song? It's timeless. It would get everybody amped up. Definitely showing your age. I like it. Though. Yeah. It's a well, great I'm pick. fucking 52. Go fuck yourself. What can I tell you? <laughs> and now I end with this, sir. What are three things that you're grateful for today? Uh, that this dog didn't die in this week that I have her. Yep. Probably number one. Number two, that uh, I get to talk to you because I like talking to new people. And number three, that I'm going to go run another half marathon in goddamn Iceland. That is going to be cool as shit. That's going to be badass. So hopefully you post a lot of uh, photos. I want to do a video the whole time. I don't know if sure. I can, but I'll try and figure that out. I have a 360 camera that mounts on my um, hat, but it only lasts 20 minutes, those mm -hmm. little videos. So 
I don't want to be swapping batteries out while I'm running. I don't think that's a good idea. Just do the half marathon in 19 minutes. Yeah, it's a good idea. Just in a car. I don't even know if you could do that in a car. That'd be tricky. <laughs> Way easier. All right, Ralph, where can everybody find you on the internets? Uh, on the interwebs, I do believe in the term social symmetry. I coined that phrase. It's at I am Ralph Sutton everywhere, including I am Ralph Sutton.com. Uh, you can follow me everywhere there. Uh, at the SDR show, at uh, I love good sugar are the all the, the things to do. And then Gas Digital is everywhere at Gas Digital. Uh, really, all I care about is listen to the show. You don't have to subscribe to the network. You don't have to hit subscribe. Just check out our show. My shows, they couldn't be more polar opposites. Like literally, sometimes I'm planning my drug episode of SDR. Where I try a drug once a year because I've never done any drugs. So I'm literally planning out this happened a couple, like the last time we did a drug, it was pre-pandemic. I'm mapping out how we're going to do the cocaine episode for me to try cocaine at 50 years old. On the same time, I'm saying we're talking to this like life coach on how to improve. I'm like, wow, these are fucking polar opposites that I'm doing. But I always feel if you define yourself by one thing, boy, are you boring. Yeah, right, right, right. Ralph, I thank you so much for your time. Uh, hopefully, good luck with that marathon, half marathon. Just keep running, baby. Thank you. That's what I say. I'm running from my problems. Perfect. Thanks, Ralph. Thank you, buddy. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.